On today's episode, I am speaking with Kat Harris, author of Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. Kat is the podcast host of the Refined Collective podcast, and I started listening to her quite a while back, actually, and really loved her willingness to be authentic and raw, and she pushes the boundaries, and she's not afraid of it. And so it's really, really cool to hear her take and her perspective on some biblical topics that a lot of people do not discuss. And so I was able to talk to Kat about singleness and singleness in our modern day and what that looks like while also becoming emotionally raw and vulnerable when it matters most. And so I'm just really eager for you all to hear our quick episode. Kat believes in the power of story and that every opportunity is an opportunity for growth. And she displays that throughout our conversation. Also, as a quick reminder, The Wife Project is launching on June 7th from Roommates to Soulmates, the eight and a half week, 10 hour video course focused solely on strengthening your faith in such a way that it has no choice but to pour over and out onto your marriage. We already have over a thousand women signed up for The Wife Project, and so we decided to open it up again due to high demand from churches, community groups, and individual women who want to strengthen their marriage. We talk all about sex in relationships. We talk about communication and strengthening your communication in ways that you may not even realize it's damaged. We talk about finding those root deep-seated issues and I walk you through exactly how to do that in our 60 plus page wife project journal that has marriage challenges, communication tips, um, journaling pages, and so much more. So in this course, you will receive everything that you need to biblically create a foundation for yourself and your relationship in a way that you never have before. You can go to the link in my bio or in my show notes to read more about what the Wife Project offers. It is packed with biblical truth and scripture with practical implementation and also my own examples of my mess in my marriage and the growth that we have experienced through Christ. So I'm really, really excited for the second launch and I just know that it's going to bless so many women in marriages. If you'd like to read some testimonials from women who have gone through the course, feel free to go to that link in my show notes or in my bio on Instagram at living easy with Lindsay. Also, if you enjoy this episode, make sure to check out episode 42 with Kate Warman. Singleness is not a disease as well as sex and Christianity episode three. You can be single and sexual. Let's jump into today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee, to get through the day, and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. 
I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay Maestas, and today I am here with our amazing guest, Kat Harris. Hey, Kat. What's up, girl? How are you doing? Good. Kat and I were just talking before we jumped on about how we're both tired and feeling a little off today. But what better way than to start with conversation? I just feel like for me, and I'm sure you're the same way as a podcaster, but just having that face-to-face conversation can kind of ease the stress of the morning and allow you to just breathe a little bit. 100%. And I think also it's important to remember that you don't have to be 100% to show up. Yes, that's good. You know, because I can feel that way. And I get super insecure when I feel like puffy and my face is puffy or my under eyes are puffy. And I was just telling you, I didn't sleep well last night. My eyes are all puffy. I don't want to be on camera right now. And you know what? Guess what? I'm still worthy. I'm still enough. I still have the permission to lead. I still have the permission to use my voice and share my story. Yes. I love that those insecurities don't hinder us from continuing to use our wisdom because Jesus allows for that. Even in the midst of our weakness, he is strong and allows that to be something where we're still excited to hear from you today. So we are going to talk about dating today. So tell our listeners, if they don't know you, just a little bit about who you are, what your story is, Mm -hmm. a little bit about Sexless in the City, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Kat Harris. I am author of Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. And that book is all about my journey of growing up in Southern evangelical Bible Belt culture, giving a strict set of rules, many shame-based about my body, sex, dating, intimacy, and really never questioning any of those things until I moved to New York City almost a decade ago now. And falling in love, getting heartbroken, rejected, ghosted, breadcrumbed, really everything in between and kind of coming to a place where I was unsure what I believed about God, what I believed about sex, what I believed about dating and intimacy. And so I researched different verses in the Bible that talked about sex and it turned into, I don't know, a five, six year journey (laughs) of asking all my hardest questions to God about relationships and intimacy and faith. And so the book just goes for the jugular of all these questions and my process through that. I'm single. I'm ready to mingle. If you have anyone to set me up with, I'm here for it. I wish I knew people in New York City. I would come visit all the time. Hey, I always say this to my friends. I will move for love. Long distance is no thing. We can long distance date. It's no big deal. Well, we're, we're, in the, we're in 2021. <laughs> we're already FaceTime dating. It's okay if it's not in the same city. That's yes. my perspective. <laughs> I agree. So transitioning from that with FaceTime dating, what are your thoughts as a woman who is in the dating scene in our generation? How is that maybe different than what it felt like growing up? And what are your thoughts on putting yourself out there in the world. I've been married for nine years now and dating for me was very unique because I wasn't a Christian, became a Christian, 
was very much given the rhetoric of you better get married immediately because if you're lusting or, I mean, you know, the whole ordeal. Kind of looking back, I realized there was a lot of pressure from the church to get married immediately. There was a lot of pressure from people. It was almost, I mean, we had cell phones, but it wasn't like how it is now. So mm-hmm. what is your experience with that? And what are your thoughts on kind of dating as a Christian woman right now? Yeah, I have so many thoughts and feelings. And first, I think a few of the things that we have to do is really identify the narratives that we were given as humans from church culture, i.e. it's better to get married than to burn with passion. Mm -hmm. And that is a scripture that honestly does not seem very wise to me. Mm -hmm. I think I'm 35 now and I've had enough friends get married just because they wanted to have sex and it was a bad reason to get married. Mm-hmm. There's so many questions I have for God that I would love to have audible responses to, yeah. but narratives like that feel really problematic and feel really damaging, especially within Christian culture, because you have people wanting to jump the gun to get married because they can't keep their stuff in their pants. And listen, I am in my sexual prime. I'm 35 years old. My body is like, please have babies yesterday. I understand that it is hard. However, I feel like I finally know that I know that I know that. I know a lot of things that I would rather be single than be with someone who is not the best fit for me. And also just wanting to have sex is not good enough reason to get married. Physical attraction does fade. And in fact, I've dated plenty of guys that I had insane physical chemistry with that we actually weren't really compatible after we took away the physical. So I always say getting married for sex is like buying an airplane for the peanuts. It is such a small portion of it. And I'm very, very happily married right now. But I know many people similar to you, Kat, who they rushed into it so quickly. They didn't even have the wedding. Like they went to the judge, you know, just to make it happen so they could have sex. And now they're really suffering from that decision. So I am in agreement with you. Yeah, they could be in toxic, problematic relationships. And so I would say, what do I think about dating in this generation? I think it absolutely depends on your mindset. I could say, you know what? I'm 35 years old. I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. Mm -hmm. There are almost double the amount of women in church culture than men. Honestly, dating in the church can feel like being on an episode of The Bachelor. Yeah. One guy, and if we're being really honest, like maybe he's a four, (laughs) but in the church, he's a 10 or a 12. And there's 25 women just pounding for his attention. So I can look at all of that evidence and have a mindset that says dating in Christian culture sucks. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. And online doesn't work. And I'm tired of being the eternal single one. So I could look at my experience and come to those very real conclusions. Mm. Or <laughs> I could stay connected to Romans 5.5. 5, that hope does not put me to shame. Isaiah, that God loves doing new things. That when there is a desert, God loves to make streams. And just because something has been something in the past or in the current doesn't mean that has to be the future. I believe the invitation of faith is believing in the invitation of possibility. Mm -hmm. So I think dating can be wonderful if you choose it to be wonderful. 
if I show up and go on a date and I just am excited to get to know another human that God created and God really loves, then it doesn't matter what happens after that date. It doesn't matter if the person ends up my partner or a friend or someone I never want to go out with again. Yeah. I am so grateful for technological advances. The statistics say that 2.6% of heterosexual couples meet in the church currently, whereas 40% of couples meet online. And so the truth is that online dating can and does work Mm -hmm. and it's not going anywhere. So I think everything that can feel really frustrating can also be an opportunity to flip that script and say, all right, so what if I was grounded in hope? How would I be showing up then? And I also think another mindset shift we have to have in Christian dating and dating in general is to remove the pressure. I always say dating is a curb, not a cliff. Like, especially ladies, we love, we love to know what are his intentions? Does he want to marry me after date one or date two or date three? Well, I don't know. He's a stranger still. (laughs) And it's okay to slowly get to know someone. It's okay if you're not exclusive for a few months and you're slowly getting to know each other. I think the best way to get to know what type of person is a good fit for you is by going out and dating and practicing communication, practicing flirting, practicing healthy boundaries. So I'm all for dating. (laughs) Well, I think that's amazing. And I would ask you, because I think that's such a good thought, Kat, because I've spoken to so many, even friends who have joked with like, hey, the first time I'm on this date, imagining our life together and our family, which I understand the desire for marriage. But I think that leads to such an unhealthy or can lead to such an unhealthy relationship because you're putting the weight of that burden on this person to fulfill and satisfy that ideal that you have that they're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also, you might as well just be fantasizing about getting naked and having sex with them. You're fantasizing. You don't know that person. Mm -hmm. And I've done it. I remember a few years ago, I had had a crush on this guy for a long time. So by the time we got on our first date, I was like, it's in the bag. He is for sure going to be my boyfriend. We go to church together. We lead together. I mean, it's in the bag. We're going to be engaged in six months. (laughs) And then I didn't hear from him after the first date. And I thought we had the best time ever. And so I was emotionally, spiritually, mentally getting naked with this guy Mm. who really I didn't know. And so, yeah, I think it puts way too much pressure on dating. I think it makes it to where guys in the church especially don't really want to ask Christian girls out because they see the wheels turning, you know? And then it also feels really sucky. I felt it on the opposite end. It feels really sucky to feel as though a person that doesn't really know me already has made up their mind about me, whether it's good or bad. It feels really sucky when it's bad. Like, give me a chance. Get Just get to know me. But it also feels really flattening either way. Like, yeah. you actually don't know me. You don't know my heart. Don't pretend that you know my story. Yeah. Do you think that that stems from the online dating and kind of having an awareness? No, not necessarily. No, Just, I don't. Of seeing them beforehand? No, no, I think it stems from coming from a place of fear when we enter dating and really, really desperately longing for partnership. Mm. So we're clawing to do anything to create a bond. 
we want intimacy so badly that we're willing to create a false sense of intimacy, even if we're unaware of it consciously. Different ways that can show up on the first date. If there's not that instant spark, then I don't want to quote unquote, waste my time. If after the first date or even before the first date, I don't know if he's quote unquote, a legit Christian, then I don't want to waste my time. If he doesn't know where we're headed after this, waste of time. And I think the reality in God's kingdom, there's no such thing as wasted time. Hmm. So I think we really, as women, are so desperate for connection that we try to jump the gun and enforce a false sense of intimacy. Imagine believing and experiencing the truth that marriage is a gift from God to be embraced, not a burden to endure. Most marriage problems, you guys, are not marriage problems. They are God problems and they are heart problems. Nobody walks down the aisle to say I do with a plan to have a mediocre, difficult marriage that ends in divorce. Divorce is painful and messy and hard. And God didn't call you to be a wife who fixes and fixes and exhausts herself with the efforts to make her husband better. Instead, he called you to be a love him wife. Did you know that 50% of marriages end in divorce? And in 2020, the top reported reasons for divorce were a lack of communication and an inability to resolve conflict. Ladies, have you equipped yourself properly? Would you wait until your entire house had burnt down before seeking help? It is more likely that if your house were on fire, as soon as you saw the spark of that first flame, you would be doing everything you could to fight it, to fix it, and to learn from it. It should be the same for your marriage. It's time to make a change. I am here to speak with you all about the Wife Project. Our society views marriage as disposable, but God's word calls us to so much more than that. The purpose of the Wife Project, which has already been purchased by hundreds and hundreds of women, is to challenge you to grow so deeply in your relationship with Jesus that it has no choice but to flow over into your marriage. I have received countless testimonials that God is using this course to actively change and transform very real marriages from the core. I am offering eight video sessions that will address your root issues with biblical wisdom that will help to lead you to live the life with your husband that you always hoped for as soulmates rather than sharing life as roommates. The best part of this is that you will have lifetime access to the entire course. So if you can't listen to it or watch it right now, it will still be available to you in five, 10 or 15 years. And all of the videos and the Wife Project journal will be easily accessible for you. The journal will include marriage challenges, scripture memory verses, and journal questions to begin working through the deep struggles of your marriage immediately. Enrollment for the Wife Project opens up again on June 7th. I could not be more excited, and I cannot wait to see what Jesus does in your faith and in your marriage through this course. Just visit my website, sparrowsandlily.com, or click the link in the show notes below or the link in my bio on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay for more information and to sign up for the wait list. How would you say when going into a date, would you determine? Because I agree, I think so much of, and I hate even using this term, even though it can be this because it was in my heart the idolatry of marriage and placing it as something that I hope to satisfy me, you know, and it's something I've had to work through in marriage as well. And thinking, okay, my husband needs to be my all in all. 
But would you say when you go into this relationship with high hopes, but also not expectations for them to be the all in all, how do you determine in going into that if somebody is emotionally available or unavailable, or if you are unequally yoked in that relationship? Yeah, those are really good questions. And I do want to add something to my last question. I feel like it's a both and. It is totally possible to see someone on social media or online and develop a narrative about them. So mm. I don't want to say it's either or. I do think it's a both and. But and it's just not the only thing. Yes. It's not the only thing, yeah. Right. So I think there's a lot of ways to discern whether a person is emotionally available. I think first, did they just get out of a relationship? They're not emotionally available. Mm. <laughs> Did they just get out of a marriage? Did they just get out of a long-term relationship? I'm not talking, did they go on one or two dates with another girl and then ask you out? They just got out of a relationship. They're not emotionally available to be in a relationship with you. Hmm. Are they flaky? Are they not able to hold space for conflict or don't really know how to show up in uncomfortable conversations? Are they not in a space where they want to commit or are they avoiding commitment conversations, not wanting to be exclusive. Here's a big one, not wanting to make plans or unresponsive. So they'll Mm -hmm. text you and then you text back and they leave you on read for five days. (laughs) Do you hear from them last minute? I think these are all just sort of things that we can look for and also listen to what they're saying. I love the movie, How to Be Single with Dakota Johnson. No, Have I haven't you seen, seen it? it. No. Oh my gosh. But if you want to know what dating is like in today's culture, watch that. that. I was just, thinking of the movie, he's just not that into you. When you yes. said when he doesn't respond for five days, like mm-hmm. maybe he's just not into you and that's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And in the movie, How to Be Single, one of the lead guys, I don't know what his name is in real life, but he plays Pastor Casey on the Mindy Project. He's oh, hilarious. Okay. Yeah. I love but that he show, said, actually. girls hear what they want to hear. So for instance... I dated a guy off and on for several years. And on our first date, he told me he was not ready to be in a serious relationship. He only wanted something casual and he was still hurting from his divorce. Mm. And I heard instead of red flags, vulnerability. And I looked at his actions and not necessarily his words. You know, we kissed, we had good chemistry. He kept asking me out. So I thought, oh, he didn't mean that. He really means this. When I could have really saved myself so much time Mm -hmm. and heartache and confusion if I had listened to him and not made an assumption about what I wanted his words to mean. So I think often people are telling us where they're at. We just don't want to hear it. I don't know if I'm like jumping your gun and just looking at my own nose, but did you also ask about how to tell if you're like on the same page spiritually? Yes. Yes. Cool. How to tell if you're compatible with someone. How to tell if you're on the same page. In my opinion, sharing a faith isn't enough. I think far too often and for far too long, we've allowed poor behavior in our relationships just because the other person had the label of Christianity on them. Mm -hmm. So, oh, well, it's okay. They were a jerk. I should have grace. They're a Christian. Oh, it's okay that they have that addiction. They love God. You know, it's okay. They cheated on me. I need to forgive them. They're a Christian. Yeah. No. (laughs) Like, I've dated a lot of Christian guys that are jerks. Mm -hmm. Me too. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, does the person love God? Do you share a faith and worldview? And why is it important to share a faith and worldview? Because my faith 
paints every aspect of my life. Instead of rose-colored glasses, my view of God impacts how I view myself, mm-hmm. how I view others, how I view the world, how I view how I want to have children, how I view how I spend my money, what I do or do not do in my career. So it's kind of the core motivating factor in my life. Mm-hmm. And so relationships are hard enough as is. And so to have someone to at least be able to understand that heart language, I think is super important, but it's not the only thing. What other values do you have in common or not? Do you want to have kids or not? Do you have fun together? Mm-hmm. I think we really underestimate the power of friendship in our romantic relationships. The average American has sex one time a week. Let's say on a good day, that sex session takes an hour. (laughs) Let's just say the whole experience from foreplay to the end, an hour. We put so much pressure on that one hour. Mm -hmm. Who's the person you want to be with the other six days and 23 hours of the week? Can you laugh together? Can you cry together? Can you fight well together? Does that person have character, integrity? Do you trust them? And I think a huge thing that's super important to me is do they have a growth mindset? Are they humble enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Can mm-hmm. you help me? Or I was wrong. Or yeah, I'm seeing I'm a counselor. On that. Yeah, I'm open <laughs> yeah. to therapy. And so for me, I think also just even with the Christian conversation, I realized in the last few years, for a lot of different reasons that Christian wasn't enough for me, I live and breathe so much of my life does not revolve around being around a ton of Christian people. And that is a high value to me. It's a high value to me to have really beautiful and close and intimate relationships with people who don't believe what I believe about life, God, sexuality, relationships, career, (laughs) politics. And so to be with someone who only at their church seven days a week or only can speak a Christian jargon Mm -hmm. is really not going to work for me. And so I think you have to figure out what are those things? Like what's the way you tick? And not that I'm looking for a spiritual clone, I think that's important too. You can be on the same page spiritually and your relationship with God can manifest itself in a very different way. Absolutely, yeah. I think often women, as women, I don't know how guys are, but I think women were like, well, does he like read Jesus Calling and listen to Hillsong? And if he doesn't listen to this pastor, then he really must not be a good quote unquote Christian as opposed to relationship with God as a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's gonna look different for everyone. My husband and I went through that the expectation, my list of expectations for him and how he was intended to lead based on my ideal and how he should read his Bible and how he should respond at church. And I was very young. And so I had such a skewed view of what it meant to have a man who has his own relationship and is not made into this image of myself. It can be so damaging. And it took so many years for me to just say, now I want to learn from you and what you're getting out of that. And we just do this thing so differently and that's okay. But we both love the Lord so much and it just, we receive him differently. We experience him differently, all of it. But I really hindered him, my husband, Mm. by having that expectation. So I love that you bring that up. Yeah. And also 
why do we feel like we need someone to spiritually lead us? Mm. I mean, I'm looking for, and I think this is the biblical invitation, is I'm looking for a co-lead. I'm looking for a partner. I'm looking for someone who is equally pursuing God as I am. And there's going to be areas where I can lead him. And there's areas where he's going to lead me. There's going to be times in our life where he's struggling with his faith and I'm not. And vice versa. There will be times where I'm struggling and he's not. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important to look for an equal, a partner. Like we're talking about equally yoked. Mm -hmm. And I think we get this weird mindset where we're like, I need a guy to spiritually lead me. Mm -hmm. When girls say that, I'm like, what do you even mean by that? Like, let's really unpack that phrase. Are you looking for someone who's going to lead you in a Bible study? Like, what does that really mean? And one of my friends... Alicia Masonheimer. She's this huge theologian. And her and I have talked about this a lot. And she's like, you know, like my husband's never going to be the guy that's going to sit our kids down and do a Bible study. And they don't really ever read their Bibles together. Mm -hmm. But she knows he's kind. He's generous. He has the fruits of the spirit. He shows up for our family. Mm -hmm. He serves our kids. He serves me. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. Just Mm -hmm. because she's a theologian doesn't mean she needs a guy that's like, has his PhD in theology, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and I think it becomes a justification for us stepping away from our faith or being lazy in our faith, because at least that is my experience, that if he doesn't want to go to church, then I use that as a scapegoat to not hold on to my own faith. But I'm not going into heaven holding my husband's hand. And Jesse is very similar to Felicia's husband. He's like a quiet leader. He's a quiet man but we have very different ways of living out our faith. And I've learned like, you know, if he doesn't want to go to church this year, cause he's really struggling. I still want to continue in that because I desire that. And I'm going to continue living that out. And I am the one in my home. And I just recorded um, a course called the wife project in that I have two whole sessions on this on. I'm the one who leads my children. I'm the one who reads with them. I'm the one who does these things. Jesse comes alongside in so many different ways, but that's not his focus. A lot of the time leads by example and just his goodness and his servanthood and his kindness. But I would be missing out and my children would be missing out if I just said, well, if you're not going to do it, then nobody in this home is going to do it because God has given me a power and a strength in him to live that out as a role in my home as well. In closing, just a quick question. How would you say that a woman or a man listening determines what their non-negotiables might be when they're pursuing a dating relationship? Yeah, the super simple answer here, non-negotiables are character-based and preferences are preferences. So character-based, does a person love God? Are they humble, growth mindset, character, integrity? And also within that, for me, can we laugh together? Hmm. Is there sexual attraction? Like those things are also non-negotiable. Preferences would be, oh, is, was he an ex-quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Explore with six-pack. Does he love yoga as much as I love yoga? You know? So I think it's important that non-negotiables stay primarily character-based. While preferences are preferences. Those are more the topical, physical. You know, I remember one of my guy friends broke up with a girl because she didn't like, the same music he did. Oh and my I, gosh. Like, well, who am I going to go concerts with? 
Probably not going to concerts for the next 30 years. And also you have friends you can go with. Um, well, and it's wild too, because of how much people change over the years. Mm-hmm. Like I have totally. morphed into some of the likes and dislikes of my friends or my people, just as they have done the same with me. And so who's to say that those preferences won't change over time as well. And then you miss out on really good characters. So I think that's very wisely. And yeah. I think that's why friendship is so important. Everything changes, but are you friends with them? A friend that you want to have sex with, I mean, can I get an amen? <laughs> yes. Well, and that's what lasts. Like, that's what survives is that relationship when other couples don't like one another and they don't want to be together. It's a lot more difficult to maintain that relationship because it's all physical attraction. And like you talked about at the beginning, I think it can be relied upon as a crutch in the relationship when you're saying, well we're just going to be intimate and we're just going to do this thing. You're saying, no, I'm going to emotionally get to know this person. I'm going to invest Mm. in them. And that builds on that friendship and that relationship where you can have that solidified foundation when things get super rocky and messy. You're saying, but I mean, I can't live my life without you. For me, I don't want to imagine a day without you because you're my person. Mm. And had I married the man that I thought I was going to marry who was a good Christian, but totally screwed me over, that would not have been the case because I was marrying him solely because other people told me that that was what needed to happen, you know? And so I so strongly agree. The friendship is absolutely essential in a relationship. And then you can have fun together for the rest of your lives. And when that pressure is there at the very beginning and you're, I think, settling and you're using your singleness as, Kate Warman actually talked on this, that singleness isn't a disease when you view it in that perspective as, oh, I'm just tainted and mm-hmm. I'm not living the life I'm supposed to be, you then rush in and settle into something that is not a lifelong friendship. Well, thank you so much, Kat. I'm so honored to have you on and to hear your heart and your perspective. Tell our listeners just one more time where they can find you and where they can find Sexless in the City. Yeah, so my book is at sexlessinthecitybook.com. You can also get on Amazon or any of those Wonderful online places. My weekly podcast is The Refined Collective. It streams all over and on all the things. And The Refined Woman is my IG and my website. I love a good DM slide. So slide on in there and say hi. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you all so much. We will talk to you guys next Monday. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please just take a quick screenshot and tag The Refined Woman and at Living Easy with Lindsay, just so we can hear your feedback and thoughts on the episode. And we love you guys. And I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.